Hello and welcome back into the Savage Situation podcast. It's your host here, Adam Savage. Good to have you guys here. And we've had such an amazing couple of seasons. We're back with a third season. Now I have a co-host every week, Ian Chambers. And we've got so much coming your way. And we have guests coming on. We're talking about the gaming world as well as, you know, things like online, lifestyle, sport as well. So it kind of encapsulates kind of everything that we like. And we hope you guys enjoy it as well. Now, one thing that's really going to help grow the show and expand to a bigger audience and broaden its horizons is if you guys do leave a review. It's really important to subscribe and follow to make sure you never miss an episode, but reviews are so key to getting us as high up the charts as humanly possible so that everyone can hear our brilliant podcast that you guys are obviously a massive part of as well. Uh, do make sure to leave a five-star review if you can. That'd be amazing with a comment as well, and hopefully it'll boost our show to outer space and beyond. Enjoy this new episode. It's a banger, if I do say so myself. I would say that though, but genuinely... Enjoy. Do you need a New Year's resolution for your wallet? Getting a better night's sleep has never been more affordable, especially if you overspend on all those online holiday sales and need to tighten the belt on your bank account. With a Nectar mattress, prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in, plus $100 off, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com and join the over 2 million people who are already sleeping on a Nectar mattress this year. Hello, welcome to the Savage Situation Gaming Podcast. I'm Adam Savage, and as a host across esports and video games, I've been lucky to work alongside a ton of brilliant people, and I like to think I've gained a very unique insight into how the gaming world works. Whether you're a gamer, someone who used to play as a kid, has slightly lost touch, or you're simply curious because you heard that gaming can sometimes make you Hollywood money from your bedroom, this podcast is absolutely for everyone. Now, during lockdown, I've been chatting to special guests from pro gamers to streamers to the influencers who've become the faces of the industry, all about how they started and the experiences they've had in this ever-evolving world. Be sure to subscribe, please, to be notified when new episodes are uploaded. And let's meet my guest today. Now, there are people in the world who've had experiences, seen and done things that I could only ever dream of doing, but will never actually get there. One of them is going to the moon, obviously. The other one is playing in a World Cup Finals. And this week's guest has done exactly that. The finals, not the moon. But that'll be crazy. My man, Jimmy Conrad, is an ex-MLS footballer turned influencer and FIFA host. He is the American dream boat. You'll love me saying that. Jimmy is one of a kind. And joining me on the podcast from the US at the height of lockdown we go deeper into the trials and tribulations of playing professionally in the MLS, his horizons, as new horizons as an esports host, playing at that infamous World Cup and the uncertainty surrounding life after football. Plus games, of course. Here's what happened. The man, the myth, the legend on the savage situation, Mr. Jimmy Conrad, buddy. How are you? How's it going? Uh, it's going as well as it can be, given this global <laughs> pandemic. It, but I'm excited to be on the show, so thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, I was going to say, where, where in the world are you right now, and do you have enough toilet paper? <laughs> I do have enough toilet paper. We'll start there <laughs> with the necessities. And I live just north of San Francisco, so if you go over the Golden Gate Bridge, yeah. drive up another 15 minutes, then I'm kind of there tucked away under some trees. 
That's are it. you to, are you towards like is it like Napa that way? Is that kind of like the wine country? Yeah. Okay. My my wife's from Napa, so we moved from New York City back out here. I'm from LA, so coming back to California was good. But yeah, that is towards Napa. So yeah, nice, oh, nice, nice job. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, thank you, mate. That's the only bit of geography I have of the US. So thank you. Guys. That's great. But I mean, that, that, that's the crazy thing about this whole toilet paper thing in the UK right now. That's all people care about is how much toilet paper do you have. There's like a toilet paper football challenge going around the uh, online. Have you seen that? Everyone's like kind of like uh, doing keepy ups with toilet rolls. Have you seen this? Yeah. Oh, no, I have man. seen it. Uh, I've been nominated a few times, but oh, do it, you know, Jimmy. I use toilet paper to wipe my butt. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't need to juggle with it. I don't need anything. I don't need to prove anything. Yeah. But but we have looked into getting a bidet. I mean, oh wow, from what I understand that that seems like a nice way to go. Jimmy, come on, live in the high life with the bidet. Look at you. Look at <laughs> I, you we man. haven't done it yet. I'm just saying we're considering <laughs> it. We're considering it. Um, <laughs> how, I mean, are you, the family finding lockdown okay? Everyone's all right. Everything's fine. Yeah, so far so good. Yeah. Uh, my immediate family. I'm here with my two daughters. My wife. We're all, you know, cranking it out. And she, my wife, works, and my kids are doing like virtual classroom stuff. So, Great. you know, we're we're handling the transition. I think if this continues for a couple more months, we're going to want to strangle each other. But for right yeah. now, everything's peaceful. Yeah. yeah I, how about you? I, I hear you. Yeah, exactly the same. But my 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 youngest is two, and he is a he's Ooh. like a, he's like a, he's like a hurricane. He is like a hurricane ah, of pure yeah. joy. But sometimes things get messy. Um, but he's not, he's, he's, he's brilliant, but it's, it is, it's just, it's just a different, you know, it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? We're not used to this, you know, being freelancers we are as well. We're not used to this kind of, um, level of kind of insecurity about what, where the next, you know, kind of opportunities coming from and stuff, you know, so. Uh, yeah, the freelance thing. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I know everything's going to bounce back once the games start rolling again, but yeah, for right now, everything's been shut down. It is. You know, you're trying to be creative and I think it's forcing us freelancers to be creative, to market ourselves in different ways. And if Definitely. anything, just being out there on multiple platforms just to continue to be visible is exactly. really important. And hey, look, mate, you and I, we're working on a podcast together. You know, we're living the we're dream here right now. So we're doing this it, man. It. We're doing it. We're doing um, it. <laughs> well, as, 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 a, you know, as a self-confessed massive football fan and having you on is, a, is an absolute treat, my friend. So that combined with your career as an influencer, um, and you're one of the key talent working with EA and FIFA and things. There's, there's so much to cover. But back to the beginning tell me about growing up in california and your life then how was it and 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 your first introduction to games as well uh well i would say with regard to soccer people are going to cringe and roll their eyes now that i say that but that's that's the term i knew growing up uh my my grandfather was danish so he would be outside kicking the ball with me since i was a kid and you know you get that bug pretty early especially mm -hmm. when you start to master the ball if you master yeah. any skill, right, you start to have an affinity for it. And that was just something I mastered first. And then when I started doing organized stuff, I was just a little bit better than everybody. And that continues to kind of grow your affinity because it's nice to be better than other people at stuff. Uh, and then from there, I was playing baseball. I played basketball with my friends all the time. I was, I was in a lot of different sports, but mm -hmm. soccer was the one that really kind of kept me, kept me interested, kept me engaged. It just felt like... Anything can happen in any game. You could play multiple positions. You were part of something bigger than yourself. And I think those are things that I still love about the game. So did, did uh, it was know... an easy choice for me. I got told at age 11 that I needed to pick one sport, that if I, needed, if I was going to be great at anything, you have to give it that singular focus. And I had a coach that pressured me. My parents were very unhappy about that. <laughs> but uh, I just said baseball's boring uh, and still boring. And uh, soccer's the, the direction I want to go in. And, and I made the most of it. I can imagine baseball being one of your your most you know, your your national institutions. I bet there was a lot of gasps going. Oh, you can't say that about baseball. 
Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of that. I think at that point, I because of my skill level at that time amongst my peers, I think my, my parents were okay with me choosing the mm-hmm. beautiful game, but but they didn't know the rules. They still don't know the rules, I think. But with regard to baseball, that's something they knew intimately. That's something that they grew up with. And so there was a comf- comfortability there for them because they knew the like the ins and outs of it, but they didn't know much about soccer. And I'll be honest, it's probably better that they didn't. If, if they had been intrusive in my development and got in my way or told me what to do all the time, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much. And I don't know if I would have made it as made it mine as much. When you were when you were growing up, like MLS obviously has only really kind of developed in the last ten years or so. So was it was it was football kind of like a just a just a, a dream that you know wasn't really. We obviously were looking at kind of like the Baggios and the kind of like the I don't know the the Rivaldos of that kind of era and thinking oh one day I want to be like these guys or how what was it like? Was there actually like an infrastructure that you could make that a career or not really? No, there was none. Uh, that was all the way through university as well. So only when I was a junior. At college, I went to San Diego State first and then transferred to UCLA. Mm-hmm. That's when the league started. Now, the Rose Bowl, which is where the World Cup final was held in 94, I was in high school at the time. So to be around the culture of the game was really important, to see how much it mattered to people, to to celebrate with the Brazilians after they won that World Cup, after Baggio missed the penalty. Oh, man. What a day. Was, what was an really experience unique. that was. Sh- I mean, that was... Oh, wild. it was incredible. I, I just, I, I had never seen anything like oh. it. I had been to other sporting events. I'd been to NFL games. I'd been to... I'm a huge Lakers fan and, yeah. and a Dodgers fan too. But, but you know, I'd been to all these different sporting events and, and nothing touched what I had experienced after Brazil won the World Cup. Just, just the pure joy oh. and how proud they were to be Brazilian and, and shut down streets. And it was awesome. Oh, it was crazy. And something I'll never forget. And I think it really planted the seed... And kind of furthered my love for the game in a different way, not not just from a playing perspective, but as a fan. Yeah, I was I was actually in, I was in Paris when um, France won the World Cup recently, uh, the night of that they won it, and it was, dude, it was crazy. It was a bit. I'd say that the yeah. closest comparison I have. Have you seen Back to the Future Two when they go to the alternate reality and Biff Tannen's got like a Paradise Casino thing going on? It, the streets were nuts, man. Like motorbikes, it, it was it was crazy. <laughs> it was like that. Um, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, the, the amount of pride that you have. I, mean, I, I hope in my lifetime I'm going to see England at, at some stage. We almost got there, semifinals uh, last time. I don't, I don't know about that. Thank you. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> Thanks. Um, you guys were close. <laughs> you had your best chance ever at the last uh, World Cup. We, and, we, and, we uh, just choke at every, you, every, you opportunity. every opportunity we choke. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, mean, grow, I mean, while you're growing up and you're obviously playing sports, was there, was there time for like video games alongside kind of sports games? Were you getting a chance to play anything at home? Of course. So... When I was very, very young, that's when N- Nintendo came out. And then uh, Sega Genesis was a big deal for me. I had that for quite some time. And then Nintendo 64, kind of had both consoles. Had to mm-hmm. talk my parents into that. But my mom was really strict. So when I was born, she was 18 years old. She didn't know wow, what she okay. wanted out of her own life. She didn't know. My, my parents broke up before I was born. Um, and so well, there was a lot of adversity, a lot of adversity there. Yeah. So she was very hard on me to make sure that I was a good kid, right? Because I'm a reflection of her and we could argue a poor decision to get pregnant at age 18. Right. So, yeah. so there was a lot of emphasis on making sure I was a good kid. I could feel it. It's something that I've aspired to. I think it, it still speaks to what I do now. If you wanted to really strip it back and have a therapy session. Um, and, and so she would say only one hour of screen time, you know, whether it was TV or whether it was video games, I had an hour a day. And otherwise I had to be outside, go outside and play, go read a book, go do anything but look at a screen. 
So I've tried to instill a little bit of that in my my kids. Unfortunately, now they can't get outside as much and and screens yeah. is how they're learning at the moment. And so it's a different world in, in some ways. But yeah. But uh, that that emphasis of <clears throat> having a kind of a a limit on video games was was pretty hard because as everybody knows, video games are pretty sweet. Yeah. And, and at that point, right, you couldn't do it online, so you had to do it with your friends. Your friends would come over and you'd yeah. play and there was still a sense of community there that I really like, and that's why I think video games have blown up as much as they have. Because again, you're you're part of something bigger than yourself, and and I think there's a there's a big pull for that. Were you what were, the, what were the kind of the, the the big games that stood out for you? What kind of what kind of stuff were you playing like on the N64 or like the NES? What were the kind of the the the, the, the big titles that you were uh, you couldn't put you couldn't put down? Well, Mario Kart, of course. Uh, <laughs> Golden Eye. Golden Eye was amazing yeah. um, because that was kind of the first really first person shooter that really took it to the next level and and you had different perspectives right you could play against different guys and Mario and the Kart Rumble obviously that's a game changer. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff. Yeah, I mean that's and then uh obviously playing FIFA was a, was a big deal as I got into college you started to, you know, you'd bet a little bit more things, you'd bet crazier things uh over these games. I played a lot of Madden and NHL and and uh and FIFA of course. So yeah, it's it's just crazy to have started there and to where the games have evolved now. It's really impressive. I think in the UK, we're not that, you know, we aren't as, I know that MLB, the show's a big game, isn't it? And like Madden and, and you know, uh, I think M, like the NBA, I was going to say NBA Jam, but I don't mean that. Like NBA 2K, those kind that of things. That was a good game though too, by the that way. That was a great game. That was a great yeah. game. Um, but we, I think with, with us, we, it hasn't really, I think because FIFA is such a dominant game here, in, in, in particularly in Europe, I'd say that we don't really play the other games as much. I think NBA is the one that's really kind of started to creep in to his collections. Um, but I think it's just, I think just the whole baseball thing, like it's, you know, it, I, I don't know, it's, it's not really kind of made it into main time. Mean, even golf, like, ti- like the Tiger Woods games used to kind of be quite popular. Yeah, yeah. But they've, uh, they're not quite as, as like, you know, I think there's Rory, Rory McIlroy's the big one now. But I don't, I don't know what, you know, who really plays those anymore. But yeah, FIFA's huge. But I need to get into things like Madden because I, I know there's a, there's a massive fan base like for those kind of games. In the US no, there is for sure, and and you know, I've I've since I've started working with EA, I'm I'm more familiar with like the Sims and yeah. the big community behind Sims, and now Apex, you know, and oh, and really man. taking a deep dive into, you know, the the first person shooter. Now, I love all the Star Wars stuff, so I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so I try to get into that a little bit more of the video games. But then, as you know, as a new parent yourself, yeah, it's hard to. I don't know, convince others that you should be playing video games right now when you could yeah. be doing 15 other things, <laughs> especially as a freelancer too. So you combine all these other different elements in your life and, and sometimes it's hard to dedicate the amount of time that you know you need to be good at these games, especially ones where you're competing against others. Oh, mate, you, you, I mean, we're talking hours and hours every day. Like I'd say like some, you know, some people commit you know, at least four or five hours a day alongside homework. It's, it's, it, You've got to really commit. I think, you know, as you said, having families... There's just no time. There's no, there's there's no time in the day. What was I doing before children? I have no idea. I know what I was doing? <laughs> what was I doing in my life? I know. Um, I know. Nobody. You don't know what free time is like until you you don't have it anymore when you have kids. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, you you mentioned college there and things as well. Like, did you um were you scouted as a as a soccer? I'll, I'll I'll use the term soccer just for you, Jimmy. Were you scouted <laughs> as, a, as a soccer player whilst at at college? How, how did how did you get picked up? So yeah, in high school. I even started high school. Okay. It's really competitive to to get into a university. Everybody's trying to get in, get a scholarship, right? All the parents want, you know, all that they paid all this money to get their kids playing soccer or the beautiful game or football for you, Adam. Thank you, um, thanks, Jimmy. Yep, you're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> and for all your listeners. And, and you know, they want to see some 
some kind of reward, I'd say, for for all the hard work and all the driving that your mom did to take you to places and stuff. No, I didn't feel that pressure. My parents were pretty cool about it, and, and they knew that I loved it, and they were going to support it no matter what. But it would have been nice to, to reward them. And I didn't really get highly recruited out of, out of high school. So I had a coach, my youth coach, call another coach, and he basically talked to this one coach who'd never seen me play and had given me a chance. I played two years there. It was Division One, which was the highest you could play uh, at the college level. And then it just didn't – the coach, I didn't feel like I was getting better. Like I, the experience was making, better, making me better, but I didn't feel like I was getting – like uh, receiving information from the coach that was going to continue my growth as a player. So I looked to transfer, went to UCLA. I walked on, so I didn't get guaranteed any money. Great university, and we ended up winning the national championship my senior year, which was a, a really like the, big deal. That's like the tier one tournament, right? Like that's like the big yes, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like uh, March Madness. March Madness, mm-hmm. but it's just for, for, uh, for soccer. Wow. So we win that, and I thought, okay, cool. MLS has just started a couple of years ago. I'm going to get drafted. I'm on the top college program in the, in the nation. We just won the, the biggest title uh, possible. The other four seniors got drafted, and I didn't. Oh, and, kidding. Oh, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Oh. I'm like, all right, here we go again. You know, I, I didn't get recruited out of high school. I had to walk on to even play on the top college team. And now I thought for sure I'd done enough to warrant respect and still didn't get it. And I get, that's kind of how my career goes. Uh, but But – it was for the best because had I been drafted and gone to an MLS team, which I know is a bit of a foreign concept to you guys, but it's very uh, American uh, with regards to our drafts. <laughs> yeah, because the, the draft system, is it like when you're kind of like there's different pools of players who get yeah, in, in, and they yeah. get kind of picked up in certain, certain points? I, it, it's a little bit complicated because it's, it's an American thing. It's a little, bit, a little bit foreign to us, but still I kind of get the premise. Yeah, so ultimately you have every college senior, unless there's a, a – if you're a junior or sophomore freshman in college and you say that you want to make yourself eligible for the professional draft, you can put your name on the draft list. And then these professional teams in your respected sport uh, will select you. If you don't get selected, you could, if you're an underclassman, so a junior or below, can re- re-elect to go back to school because you didn't technically lose your eligibility. But if you did right. get drafted, then you do lose your eligibility. You can't go back to college anymore and you sign a professional contract. So, so that was kind of the bar that was set, and I thought I had done enough to get selected in this draft. I didn't get selected. Had I gone, though, straight oh, to MLS, I wouldn't have played. I was still pretty green. Uh, I didn't have a lot of meat on my bones, so I wasn't as strong as I was going to end up being down the line. Mm-hmm. And I went down and played a second di- in the second division in San Diego, went back to San Diego, played second division. I, sp- I made $800 a month. I slept on floors. I would train with the team in the morning. I would train by myself in the afternoons. I would train with a tennis ball. I would run on the beach. I'd run up, sprint up hills. I would do anything I possibly could to gain an advantage so I could get up to MLS as soon as possible. Hmm. And the, and the, the best part about that experience, and which actually is my favorite, when I look back at my whole career, it's probably my favorite year because I didn't know what was going to happen. I, it was so much uncertainty, but I believed that I could do it. And that drive to, to prove to myself that I could do it was was something very special for me. So... And you're not doing it because you're at that point, you're not doing it for the money. You're not doing it for the fame. Uh, you're not yeah. doing it for like a blue check mark next to your name because there was no social media at the time. You're just doing it mm-hmm. to prove that you can do it. And so uh, I played 30 games in six months. Had I gone to MLS, I would have sat on the bench. Yeah, I would have got some, I would have got better playing in practice against better players. But you need that game experience. You need to learn how to, to win. You need to learn how to deal with adversity. You need to learn how mm-hmm. to deal with teammates that might not like you and you might not like them and still figure out a way to have success. So there's all these little things. And we had uh, ended up having a terrific team. 
we got to the semifinals of the playoffs uh, and ended up losing. But after the end of that year, Gosh. I got called up to San Jose because I had played well, the, the Earthquakes. And mm-hmm. uh, me and my goalkeeper. And we did really well. We played against a, a Mexican league team. And great experience. They played the last 20 minutes. And it was surreal. It was amazing. And I couldn't get enough of it. I just wanted more of it. And I ended up signing with them and kind of took off from there. But even then, after signing, I still had to earn my way onto the team. I had to earn a starting position. That took me a couple of years. And it just kind of, it just felt like I always had to prove myself 10 times harder than other people. But, yeah. but I think that's what made me tougher because then when I did get called up to the national team, I knew how to deal with adversity very well. I, I knew how to be a bench player. I knew how to be a good supportive teammate if things weren't going my way personally. So all these little things really, really sharpened me into being the total package when the time came. And and then when I got to play in the World Cup, I was ready. There was no um, hesitation. I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew exactly how I wanted to play and who I wanted to be. And I, and I went out there and proved to myself that I could against the best players in the world. Jimmy, I mean, you, you've lived out my, my dream there. You've, play, you've competed in a World Cup. I mean, they're, they're, it, doesn't yeah. get much, it doesn't get much more in, incredible than that. Like, you, the, sky, the sky's the limit, and you, you hit the top of it, man. Like, I, I think the, was it, it, was, it was Germany 2006, right? That was supposed to be into the... Yeah, that's correct. I, I, it's almost like at this point, it's been so far removed. It's like we're talking about somebody else, but, (laughs) but I do lean on all those disciplines and habits that I had before. And, and a lot of people don't, don't know me as a player. They only know me as a media guy or social media guy. So it's kind of funny uh, if they learn about my backstory at all, if they take the time to, to learn anything about it, that I've actually lived quite a life and, and accomplished things I never thought I was, that were possible. I mean, you kind of know it as you kind of go along. As you get closer, you're like, ah, actually, I think I can play with those national team guys. I think I am good enough, you know. But it takes a while to get to that, get to that point where you believe in yourself enough to make it happen. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Is that's why, that's why I think you, you, the determination and the perseverance you've shown is, it's, it, that's why your story is so, you know, it, it's so heartwarming and, and so intriguing to me is the fact that you know, even though you were told no, 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 and the door was shut many, many times, you just kept, you kept believing and you knew you could make it if you just kept pushing forward, and you got there. And it's like you know, I don't think I don't think it couldn't have got much better than when you actually stood there at the World Cup and thinking, I mean, I've, I've, I can't play in a more prestigious tournament than the one I am right now. Like I've kind of I've, I've kind of reached the the goal really, other than winning the thing, which you know. For the US, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm sorry to say it, Jimmy. I don't think <laughs> it's okay. going. To, um, I've accepted it. I've yeah. accepted it. <laughs> but uh, what was that? What was that like? What was it like actually being there at the World Cup? Actually, kind of you know, walking out onto the pitch and thinking, "My God, here I am. I've arrived." So what's funny is when you get named to the team, it's about two months before the tournament actually starts, two and a half months maybe, and that feeling was unlike anything I have felt. I was, I, I mean, if you talk about walking on air, when I got named to the team, I could not, I still can't, I mean, it was unbelievable. I know exactly where I was. The, the, the funny part was the coaching staff didn't even tell us beforehand. He, he went on Sports Center, which is our big show here on ESPN, and announced the team. And I learned that I got on the team through Sports Center. No now, way. Maybe, yeah. Well, watching yeah. watching so, it live. Watching it live. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mike, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> That's huge. So, so. I, I had an idea that if I hadn't been on the team, they probably would have informed me beforehand. So I felt like, okay, but I still didn't know for sure. And I was there by myself because my wife was, uh, she's going through law school at the time. So she was, um, 
No, actually, she had graduated at that point. Anyway, she just wasn't home. And so I'm sitting there on the couch, and I get named, and it's just my phone basically melted. I mean, everybody was so excited for me. I was wow. excited. And when she got home, we just we walked to a restaurant because we didn't want to drive because we wanted to have you know some wine and celebrate. Uh, it was unreal. But what happens is, after that kind of wears off, because it does wear off, you then yeah. go into camp. Or actually, I'll, I'll back it up. You, you're, you're still with your MLS team or your club team for a couple weeks, and you basically play a couple games and think, I just don't want to get hurt. <laughs> so you're, you're, just, you're just like, you, you play one touch, you play two touch, you don't want to get tackled, you don't want to be in any interaction. It's really funny. So then, then you go into camp, and you bust your ass, and it's hard for a month. And you do that for a month before you finally leave uh, to go to wherever the tournament is. Ours was in Germany. And then you start to settle in and get ready for the tournament. But it was, it was really hard. And even then, we were the, our game was the last match day of the group stages. So, you know, I think that's day five or day six. So the tournament's going on, and my roommate and I, Josh Wolf, are watching on TV. And that's how I've always watched the World Cup, on TV. And I'm watching it going, I can't believe we're in this tournament, man. This is insane. <laughs> so you kind of have these, these really surreal moments. Oh. And then for the first game, I didn't play against the Czech Republic, who absolutely demolished us. I three, warmed three, up three, three nil in the second half. 3-0, they were, they were excellent. And, and had Jan Kohler, if you guys remember Jan Kohler, big Borussia Dortmund yeah, striker, like 6-7, yeah, 6-8. He got hurt. He scored a banging header three minutes in. And then he, got, he pulled his hamstring at minute 20. Had he not gotten hurt, they, they would have gone through the group for sure. They might have won the group because wow. we had Italy and Ghana as well. But once he went down, they just didn't have any presence up top. But they had, you know, they had Nedved and Rosicki in midfield. They were so good. That oh was like the best God. national team performance I'd ever seen. Uh. And I'm warming up in the second half, and we'd already put two subs in at halftime. So it's me, Clint Dempsey, and Josh Wolf. We're all warming up on the sideline. There's only one of us that's going to get in. And I kind of look at Josh and Clint and go, ah, we're getting our butts kicked. I don't know if this is the World Cup game that I want to go into, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so I didn't end up going in. We needed attacking players, not defenders. So Josh went in. And we ended up losing 3-0. It was pretty heartbreaking. And especially after our 2002 World Cup run where we got to the quarterfinals. So there's a lot of expectation. And uh, it was a tough. It was tough. And we dealt with some adversity. And, and it was tough to find our balance. And we had Italy the next game. Oh, so man. I don't start the second game either. And, but the guy in front of me, he got uh, two yellow cards. And he got thrown out in the 46th minute. And it was tied 1-1. So I go into that Italy game. And the coaches turn to me and say, all right, you're going in. I didn't even need to warm up. I went from zero to 100 in like 10 seconds. I mean, it was less than 10 seconds. I was ready to go. I could have put my shin guards on and gone full sprints. I was so excited. I could not believe that I was going to play in the World Cup against Italy. I just could not believe it. So I get my stuff on and just run back and forth and, you know, act like I'm getting ready, but I was already ready. I'm putting my, my shin guards on, and I'm going over to the sideline, and they're telling me instructions. I'm like, yeah, 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 I just want to get in. We're, d- we're down a man, too, because they had gotten a red card early. We, got, we had a red card early as well, so we had two red cards. They had one. It's 10 versus 9. It's 1-1. One, one. Uh, it was amazing. And we went in, and we held the 1-1 one, one draw. I switched jerseys with Pirlo afterwards. It just at all. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And there was a mm. moment in the game where we got told by somebody, Clive Charles, very famous coach over here, who said, once you get into the World Cup, if you have a moment in your plane to take a look around and smell the grass and look at the fans and, and the lights and everybody and the people you're playing with and against, just, just take a moment. And I'm glad he told me that because I did. Somebody got hurt in the second half, and I took that moment. And it's as vivid for me now as it, as it was then, and it's an incredible feeling, and I'm so glad that uh, I remembered to do that. Uh. And, and what I'll say is 
what kept me not losing my 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 cool. I was gonna say losing my shit because yeah. I don't know if you bleeped that out or not. But yeah, I just fine. said it anyway. But could be from losing my cool or shite. I think you guys say. Um, <laughs> for all you football fans out there, yeah. uh, is is <laughs> is I just kind of looked at it as a glorified men's league game, right? right? That that was the only way that I could compartmentalize the amount of pressure and that I was putting on myself and the amount of understanding of the millions and millions of people that were watching and to be able to continue to function in a normal way and make plays. So that was the way that I was just like, ah, this is like a regular men's league game with some really good players on the other team. And we have to figure out a way to hold on to this tie, even though we're down a man. And that's, and I just focused on that and didn't get overwhelmed by the moment. Wow. But uh, yeah, it was incredible. And my yeah. whole family was there. They flew over. It was Father's Day. My dad was there. You know, it's just little things like that that made it really special. You saying that you can smell the grass. I think I can smell the grass. I, I'm, I think I'm there with you. <laughs> but I think the, you know, I'm thinking about like, you know, some of the, I mean, that kind of, I did a bit of research into that World Cup and some of the players like Zidane, Henri, Beckham, R9, like they're like a Buffon obviously was in goal, I guess, when you guys played against Italy. I mean, these are these are legends of the game. Not I know. not to say you're not, Jimmy, but I mean, this this is like it no, must no, have been no. incredibly overwhelming. Like um, one of those things that you kind of just get. Oh, I mean, you've, you've lived a dream there, you know, and, it, and it's 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 amazing. I'm I'm so I'm so pleased for you because I can only imagine how I'd be in that situation if that was what, that was one of my stories, which I tell down the pub every single day. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I scored against Mexico once uh, a year later, and that's our big rival here, and, and uh, I don't let people forget that. So, oh. yeah, I mean, it's one, that's my pub story. Uh, um, yeah, that's a, great, that's a great pub story. I mean, when, 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 you, um, when you retired from playing, you know, did, you, did you really have, like, when you had those, that high of the World Cup and you went back to MLS for, for a short while, and, you know, did you have already like an idea of okay when this comes to an end there's gonna there's gonna be a chapter two like a plan b like because I, I don't know how obviously you were playing back mainly in the 90s and early no sorry, early noughties so i don't know how if there was a lot of money in the mls then like could you survive on the money you made from like the, the finance from the mls then or was it like kind of n- nothing like the premier league no nothing like the premier league i made twenty four thousand dollars my whole rookie year that's what i made my whole wow. year. Some some guys wow. make that in a day. Maybe that's two hours for some guys. Yeah, twenty four thousand dollars my rookie year. Jeez, now, as man. as it went along, you know, I started to get paid more. But it, you know, they're not playing. They're not paying American center backs much. Even if I played in the World Cup, it didn't get uh, much more than that. So no, I didn't. I couldn't retire on my on the money I made. I didn't know what phase two was going to look like for me, mm-hmm. but I was already doing media stuff. I had a radio show. I had dabbled in podcasts towards the end of my career. I was writing a, an article for Sports Illustrated and then ESPN for seven or eight years. It was oh, cool. Okay, it was a column. Yeah, it was just kind of like uh, what it looks like to be a player in the league. What it looks like to, you know, kind of on the inside looking out as a professional athlete in a sport that's trying to grow in in America. Yeah. And uh, some yeah. of those articles are really good. Some of them I read them and I'm like, are you? They allowed this to go out. It's super cringe, you know. So. <laughs> But, but that was part of my process, and I think what really helped me, and I think you could speak to this as well, the biggest and hardest part, I think, as a pundit is, is forming your own opinion and sticking by it. So when you become a player, your opinions, maybe about stuff outside of the game, can be whatever, politics, movies, pop culture, whatever. But, but, but about the game itself, you, you stay pretty neutral. You speak in cliches, you do all that stuff. But for me, I had to form a bit of an opinion so that people would want to read, and, and that helped me. So when I transitioned into 
media opportunities, already having formed that for many years and understanding how the, that's how the game works, allowed me to, I say criticize in a way, criticize sounds strong, but just to make note of certain things that I either found humorous or found unacceptable and did it in a way and tried to package it in a way that was palatable for, for, different, for different people. Now, not everybody likes what I'm doing, you know, and they might think I'm too silly or that I go too hard the other way or whatever. But, but as long as you enjoy making the content, uh, I think that's, that's what matters at the end of the day. So I learned a lot, essentially. And that's what I think really shaped my phase two was uh, knowing that I had dabbled in the media. For the most part, it was really received uh, positively. And so that made it a pretty easy step in that direction. But I do have an affinity for coaching, and hopefully I can get into that in my phase three. I mean, with world events right now, the postponing Euro 2020 is gone. Uh, all football leagues have been affected. I mean, how, do you think I mean, do you think that anywhere around the world they're going to finish out the season? And, you know, do you worry about the, the do you think they're just going to reset things come come like August time? How do you, what, what do you think is going to happen? Personally, I don't think this is going to end anytime soon. Um uh... Our country's a little bit bigger over here than the UK, so I think you'll probably <laughs> yeah. get a better. I think you'll get a better handle on things quicker than than we will. Uh, I, it's hard to say because mm-hmm. you know one infected person gets back out there, then you just start a whole second wave, even know, if you have people quarantined. So, and we have a lot of dummies over here. Let's be honest, you know, guys that want to go spring breaking, man. Like <laughs> I paid for spring break three <laughs> months. We're gonna go. You know, I don't care about anybody else. I don't care about old people. You know, I'm like so, twenty. I'm like, look at, I'm so buff. Look at me. I'm, yeah, I'm living the dream. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so, it's so we have a lot of that to to <laughs> work through. Yeah. And the, since our country's so vast, I think I think it's gonna take a while. And I just fear, and this makes sense, but I fear that that sporting events and concerts in particular are gonna be the last things that they reopen just yeah, because of yeah. the dens- density of people. So that just takes it, makes it going to be a little bit longer. I think uh, with regard to leagues, my sense is that the European seasons are going to be done. I, f- I feel like Liverpool deserves the league title, so it's unfortunate. I was going to say, uh, yeah. This is, this is happening to them. And uh, I, I proposed something on a video I shot last week where I just said, if, if any leagues, I'll say this, any teams that were up by 10 points should, should win the league. So PSG up by 12, they win the league. Liverpool, for sure, we're going to win two out of the last nine games. No problem. Bayern Munich are only up by four, but they're Bayern Munich, so we know they're going to win the league. They can just have mm-hmm. it. Uh, and then you have Juve and Lazio. Maybe you want to throw Inter Milan in there. You're going to have a little three-team tournament or whatever. Then Barcelona, Real Madrid. You have like a – I think you have like a – I said a three-game series, which is kind of an American way of looking at it. But, but you know, you play, you play three games, and the first to win two is, is, is the champion of the league. So I don't know. I just think you could have done it behind closed doors. You could still ramp up the TV rights. I mean, I would watch that. I would watch a three-game series between Barcelona and Real Madrid. Oh my so God, there's yeah. different ways they could have solved, solved some of that. But I understand the health concerns and the Champions League for sure is done. Europa League can't play those. I think you reset for sure for those. Um, there, there's no clear winner there, right? And there's still a lot of games left to be played. So that, that's not going to hurt anybody's feelings. But I really feel like Liverpool is getting a raw deal. Yeah, I think every United and Everton fan around the world... He's probably thinking right now, can you imagine if the season's voided? <laughs> no question. No question. Just ne- never lifting a trophy just starts again. I mean, that would just be oh, the biggest sack of potatoes. My God. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's, um, let's talk about, quickly about your, your, your career. As you mentioned, like, you know, creating content and like, you know, working on vlogs and 
FIFA career mode vids, predictions, Q and A's, and stuff. I mean, is it quite challenging keeping up a, a YouTube channel and kind of Twitch presence as well as it is kind of doing the kind of like the live hosting um, that you're doing for EA and FIFA and things as well? It, it is. I, th I think there's a a balance that you have to find not only with your Oh, it's a business life or you know your visibility out there to the public whether it's on twitter or instagram or tiktok which i enjoy tiktok so I, yep. i'm excited to get on that in a meaningful <laughs> way it's a lot of, a lot of funny people doing a lot of funny stuff on there yeah. uh, twitch has been uh, you know a different type of experience you know you build a community in a, in a different way than you do on youtube so so yeah it's all been really fascinating and, and i love doing all of it and then i just find time to make sure that because that's all free content i put out that obviously I got to go hustle and go get my paying jobs. And so the free stuff just takes a back seat, but you try to balance it and, and be uh, as open with your and transparent with your audience as possible about what you're doing and what you're trying to do. I learned, I hit a bit of a ceiling on YouTube. My YouTube community is waiting for me to come back. So it's been a while. I got come a little back, frustrated. Jimmy. I know, I know I should. I love YouTube. But um, I started to kind of dabble in the, the short form a little bit. So I started this new thing called the Soccer Minute. And I just try to give you all my information in a minute. I probably sound like I'm on cocaine because I, I read it so fast. <laughs> you know, I'm like the Diego Maradona of, uh, of uh, social media influencers. But um, it's been really fun. And we try to have fun edits. And, and so people can get in and get out and get on with the rest of their day. They learn a little bit. They laugh a little bit. And they get out. So I started to focus my stuff a little bit on that. And that's taken up a little bit of my time as I try to figure out what that looks like in a, in a, in a long-term way. And then obviously, and I, I'm sure you do the same, you try to create these platforms so that maybe brands want to get involved. So I have this one particular series called Coach Jimmy that I do mainly for, for Instagram stories. Sometimes I'll throw it on my Instagram grid. Or I'll throw it on Twitter as well to see how it'll do. But it's just me breaking down a game in a meaningful way or like one specific play. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. And I kind of go in hard. You don't see me on camera, but you hear my voice. And we have fun edits in regards to that. But it's really just breaking down the game. And I sometimes I'm, I'm kind of a jerk, but it's 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 still funny. Like I'm being a jerk to be funny ultimately. Yeah. yeah and uh, and so AT and T, which is a big cell phone company over here, they they love it. And so now they sponsor MLS. So they're like, all right, if do, we want some Coach Jimmy's, but we want you to talk about MLS when you do it. It's like no problem. I love MLS. Let's make it happen. And so I figure it out, and we work on the script to so make sure I don't cross any lines and. And then I post it, and they're fun. Um, and so there's little things like that that I that I like, and, and it's cool when brands recognize it and, and appreciate what you're doing on your own, and then want to get behind it. And, and uh, if you can get paid for doing the stuff that you love anyway, and that you'd be putting out there anyway, that's that's probably uh, winning as best as you can define it. Oh, definitely, definitely. And um, I mean, we, I mean, you've transitioned obviously creating content as you do and working with different brands and on on your videos as well i mean i mean working as a as a as a stage host or kind of a desk host capacity for like fifa or things as well like you know in, a, in an esports um kind of like circumstance or scenario is it must be a really cool opportunity as well just to kind of like enjoy football and the video games combine the two worlds that you love so and you're so passionate about as well um and kind of take that on when it comes your way. No, oh, I love the I love the esports community. Uh, they're really strong. They're really passionate. Uh, I liken it a lot to real football. Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, there's a there's a dedication to the craft when you when you th talk about these players. They they put in eight to ten hours a day easy. And when I look at them, like I don't remember putting in eight to ten hours a day as a pro <laughs> athlete. So yeah. so my respect for these guys is probably twofold uh, in some ways. And yeah. then they have to go and, and perform. You know and. Yeah. 
and that's where I come in and we, ho- we host and we have, have a lot of great talented people around me that make my job easy and both in front of camera and behind it. And that's another skill set, right? I think hosting, as you yeah, know, God, yeah. is a much different than doing a podcast and doing a podcast is much different than being on camera for YouTube where you can be a little sure. bit more dressed down, be yourself. Uh, and then anything you're doing goofy on Instagram or Twitter, you know, so it's, it's interesting and, and it makes you more well-rounded if you can tackle all these things. So I'd like to think I positioned myself pretty well to, to do a lot of different things. And, and I'd like to think I've been embraced by the, the FIFA community. I'm some days they probably don't like me or they think I'm a yes man or whatever it is, but, um, it's, it's, I love being a part of it. Uh, I'm really proud of the guys when they, when they accomplish something or if they win a trophy and they, for me, what I relate to is just them dealing with adversity. You know, not everything yeah. went their way, but they still figured out a way to have success. And I really enjoy those players that, that kind of just keep their mouth shut and get after it. Yeah, you're, you're actually, um, one thing about FIFA, which is very special, and you being on the show as well, I think I think you're the very first guest you've ever had on the on this other situation who's actually, you featured in the video game. I think, is it FIFA 11? You can be Jimmy Conrad? An ultimate team? Uh, pretty, I think you can. Yes. Uh, my ratings aren't great. I, I still have some beef with, with EA. And I think this is real because one of my, I want to say gifts, but one of the things I really prided myself on as a defender is, is just reading the game. So, mm-hmm. so putting out fires before they start. So what that looks like is that maybe you're a little bit slower, but, but I'm reading the game so quickly that I don't need to hit full speed ever, you know? <laughs> um, and so... I was. I just thought I was a little bit quicker and faster than they gave me a rating for. I'm not asking for like a 20, you know, rating jump. Yeah, but like five to well, ten. I was. I was like per murder sacker slow. I'm like, listen, I'm not. I'm faster than per murder sacker. Yeah, I played against is. them. I mean, well, I, I was, know. I know that I'm faster than per murder sacker. I was impressed with your 77 rated heading. I think that's that's pretty solid. There you go. There you go. That's it's pretty, pretty solid. I will say that I think I can't remember. Maybe it's 2007. I had I have a five star weak foot and I have better heading than Messi and I mean that's that's what? pretty much oh, all you mate, can ask that, you for. Yeah. No, no, come on you played that World Cup and you're better than Messi man that's it's too it's too much I can't handle this I mean this. you know what I mean you know what I mean yeah. it's just oh, dude. it's different. all downhill from there I don't know where I can't you can't you can't you can't best that where do you go Jimmy where do you go um, before before Nowhere. we before we uh, we have to say goodbye <laughs> say goodbye to you here on the Savage situation as well one of the kind of the core things we like to do is always ask our guests uh, circling things back to video games um, asking about your top five games of all time. Now, these could be anything, Ooh. anything. And there's a, there's a big repertoire of kind of games you've played. You mentioned some of the kind of the, the earlier kind of retro kind of consoles before. I'm sure you still play a lot today as well. What would be on your top five? Mm-hmm. I know it's a, a lot of pressure on the spot, but what, what would be in there? Okay, so Mario Kart, I think. On the SNES? Definitely. Am I giving you a list, like number one through number five, or can I just say five? Just say five, <laughs> just say five. Okay, so Mario Kart for sure. That's one. Uh, okay, so then GoldenEye for sure, like another pivotal one. Yeah. Uh, FIFA, FIFA, FIFA 95. And oh, the reason okay. I bring up FIFA 95 was that because me and my friend, this is my, it's going to date me a little bit. It's my freshman year in college. And we had just rented a house for our semester. And we had a tournament. Like we would just play every team. You know, we just play against each yeah. other until we got to the final, blah, blah, blah. Because it wasn't very sophisticated uh, in terms of a menu back then, so we we set up this whole tournament, and uh, we were screaming. We we got up at seven in the morning to play, and we, <laughs> we were screaming. We were screaming loud. We didn't realize how loud we were screaming. Well, our neighbors called the cops, what? and the cops come and knock on the door. We're playing still. The cops knock on the door and they say, "Hey, uh, we got a report that there's a girl screaming in your house." <laughs> and and me and my buddy both look at each other like, "Oh, that was him," because he definitely screams like a girl. 
But they then didn't think that was funny and then asked to come into the house to see if we had a girl in the house. What? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's – I mean, FIFA 95 was awesome anyway because it was one of those – one of the FIFAs where you could get to, like, the top of the 18 at, like, the corner. If you got to that spot and you shot, you'd score every time. Yeah. And yeah, that's um, right. so really the, the whole point of the game was to, to defend that spot. So that was a, that was a really fun one. I enjoyed uh, – the NHL could have been NHL '95 as well. I played a lot of video games in college when my my mom wasn't around, so I had more than an hour to do so. And uh, you know, you could you could knock the the guys down, and their heads would start bleeding. Amazing! It was amazing. Um, <laughs> amazing. So that was a good one. So they actually bring it up in the movie Swingers. If anybody's seen Swingers, that's the, the same. Great movie. Great were. movie. Great great Vin, movie. Vince Vaughn. Um, so yeah. those those ones stand out for me. And then as it got older, uh, I really liked FIFA '17. I. Um, with that one that came out, I just thought it really ticked all the boxes in a really meaningful way. I had a lot of fun playing that one. Mm-hmm. That was my first time really getting into the scene and, and, and being a part of the, the eSports and FIFA community yeah. in a meaningful way. So that was fun to be a part of that. And everybody was buzzing about the game. Everybody loved it. So FIFA 17 was really special. Mm-hmm. These are all probably too much soccer related. but Hey, from you, um, it makes oh, perfect circuit sense. Breakers. So Circuit Breakers. Circuit okay, Breakers. So circuit Breakers, was, it was on the original PlayStation, PS1. And you'd play with your buddies, so it wasn't online, but you had four cars. That was it. You just have these four cars, and you'd race around. And if you got too far back, you just get bumped off, and you get zero points for that, like, that section of the thing. And, if, and as, you, as the number one guy pulls away, you'd get four points, or no, you get three, and then second, we get two, and then one, and then zero. And nice. you just keep going around until you end up getting 20 points. It it's the most basic premise, but we had so much fun playing. That sounds we great. We play hours. Oh my god! It was called Circuit Breakers PS One. I still have a copy of it, and and it's like near all my my jerseys that I've switched. Like I got Beckham and Berbatov and and Pirlo. Oh, and anyway, wow. but 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 it's it's in that same crate because I I cherish it so much. Uh, so Circuit Breakers, <laughs> and I just have so many good vivid memories. And I think anybody that that names a top five of games, it's always going to be because you shared a moment with, with somebody that meant something to you. Always, always. And so you know. Oh, yeah, so when you think of GoldenEye, and, and they're all community-based games, and that's yeah. why those ones do the best, I feel like. Nostalgia uh, reigns even supreme. Now, for sure. Mate, I love, I love Circuit Breakers at the end. I, I, I vaguely remember it, but I, have, I, I, must, I must go and research this now. So I have, my, I have it in my, my library of knowledge about games. I love that. Um, thanks for your top five, mate. That, that, I mean, love it. Brilliant. And uh, thank, thank you so thank much you. for sharing your story as well, Jimmy, because it's, it's, I mean, you've had me, I hope the audience as well, listening, you know, it, it, it's fascinating learning about someone's kind of like their, their life journey and, and kind of getting a, a chance to kind of see, see, feel and hear what it was really like to be in a certain situation that a lot of us would aspire to have in our lives. But um, what a career and, and onwards and upwards, my friend. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. I think if anything my story does, it just proves that anything is possible if you believe in yourself so you know i hope that if anybody's listening and they're wavering about whether they should follow their dream or not they should 100 percent follow it because even if you don't get all the way to where you wanted to go you're probably a lot farther along than you would have been otherwise and you at least got to give it a shot and that's all you really want out of your life is to just give it a shot that's exactly what it's all about baby thank you so much my man best of luck with everything the season ahead and hopefully not running out of toilet paper <laughs> same to you adam thanks for having me on Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. Don't forget to subscribe to the series so you're notified when the Savage Situation is back with a new episode. And if you enjoyed it, then rate it. I'm also on Twitter at Adam Savage. Drop me a follow and be sure to share how much you enjoyed this podcast with the people around you. Until next time, it's goodbye from me.
A massive thanks to you guys for listening to this episode of the Savage Situation Podcast. It's been so much fun. Uh, do as well. Make sure to check out the YouTube videos. Mentioned this at the beginning. We have all these videos of the, the episodes on YouTube. We also have as well highlight clips. So make sure to check it all out. Savage Situation Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram. You know, we want to grow this community as big as we can. And you guys have been so supportive so far and it's going to get bigger, better, faster, stronger. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and we'll see you next week. That's right, on the next one. Take care for now. Thank you and bye-bye.